Good morning, and thanks for joining us online this morning for our worship gathering. You know, uh, last weekend was an amazing weekend for us at Access. We started off uh, with Good Friday and the Art and Contemplative Prayer uh, time at Stebbins, our location. Uh, many of you came out for that, and it was such a special event. And a special thanks goes out to Jessica and her mom for making that possible for us to have such high-quality art to lead us through uh, a contemplation of the cross. Uh, it was a real delight and joy to spend time with many of you in person and to, to catch up after a year. And then on Sunday, we had both our online worship gathering as well as a gathering in person. And we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful time that was, and I hope you enjoyed it. Sunday afternoon had the added bonus of celebrating three people in our faith village who were baptized. So we got to witness God's work in three of our youth and kids. And so what a wonderful time that was. The end of our Sunday gathering was an egg hunt, and we saw families and kids having fun together. What a joy that was. I'm really looking forward to our next gathering, so just invite you to pray for us, for the lead team, and for the staff as we think about what goes into making more gatherings happen. Now, today we're going to be launching into a three-part message series called The Connected Life. We're spending time in John chapter 15 talking about this teaching that Jesus gave us on what a life could look like when it was deeply connected to him. And so we're going to go through the details of that today. We'll also talk about three concepts that this passage brings up in particular. So let's dive right in and let's talk about the connected life because this series is going to give us better words uh, and a better understanding to talk about our experience with God. And that's why we're doing it. We want to dive into our experience with God and even understand some of the hardship that goes with that, uh, specifically looking at the, at the role of losses in our life. How can God a loving God, allow our lives to go through losses in his grand plan. So let's dive into John chapter 15. Now just a quick word on context before we actually read the passage in the first four verses. Uh, John 15 is part of a longer portion of scripture known as the Upper Room Discourse. And these words of Jesus were given on the night he was betrayed and would go to the cross. And they help in putting the words that we hear into just framing it a little bit better for us. So John chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The first concept that I want to talk about from this passage today is the concept of connecting. 
And this comes to us from all the in language as well as the command Jesus gives his followers to remain in him as he remains in you and me. Now, other translations uh, translate these words as this word as abide. Jesus is telling his followers to abide in him as he abides in them. Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase translates this as live. So live in Jesus, make your home in him. All of these different words are summarized in the concept of connecting and staying connected. Now, like I said, understanding the context of this teaching is really important because this is the upper room discourse, meaning that Jesus in a couple of hours is going to be taken to the cross to be crucified. Um, and so he is going to be physically absent from his disciples. And he is telling them in the midst of this to remain in him, to live in him, to abide. Now, Jesus gives us two different scenarios to go with this concept. First scenario is this. There are branches that are connected to the vine that do not bear any fruit. They are fruitless branches. They look like they're connected, but something is wrong. So a branch's purpose is to bear fruit. And uh, an apple tree will have apples uh, an orange tree will bear oranges. But in this scenario that Jesus is giving, he's saying that there are some branches that are connected to this vine that don't produce any fruit. Now, you know, years ago, this happened in our home. Uh, the power went out in the house, about half of it out of the house. It was a really strange scenario. And so half the house was getting power, certain appliances, uh, worked and other ones didn't and it was the case where you would go to a plug you didn't know if it was going to work you could we would test it out by plugging in uh, a phone to see if it would charge and if it did it worked but you really didn't know until you plugged it in turns out later on I went to the backyard and found that a branch had uh disrupted the power going to our house, the power line, and so Centerpoint had to come out and fix it. But for a time, we had a very strange scenario in our house where we had plugs, outlets, that looked exactly the same. Some had power, some didn't. That's kind of a modern take on what Jesus was talking about. Now the question is, who was Jesus talking about when he described these kinds of branches? There are at least a couple of different examples in the Gospels that we can point to pretty quickly. First, there were these religious leaders of the day known as Pharisees. And the Pharisees had all the appearance of being connected to God. They did all the right God talk. They talked about the law and they pressed other people to follow the, the legal codes. Um, but deep inside, there was something amiss. They didn't really know God. And when they encountered Jesus, many of the Pharisees hatched a plan in their hearts to kill him. That definitely wasn't from God. Now, not all Pharisees were wrong. Not all Pharisees were bad. But the majority of them had something amiss in their lives. Another example of this was closer to Jesus. There was a disciple known as Judas Iscariot. Judas had all the appearances of a true disciple. He looked just like the rest, but deep inside, 
he was disconnected. Now, from time to time, Judas, who was the treasurer for the group, would take funds for himself. Then one day, an opportunity came to sell Jesus out to the religious leaders. And so for 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed Jesus, and the religious leaders came. They found out where Jesus was. They came, took him, and had him under a mock trial and finally crucified. Now, it's not fun or really pleasant to think about this type of scenario unfolding in the life of the church, but Jesus' words are serious, and he wants us to know that this happens, that there are those who appear to be one thing, but they are actually something else. And this type of false connection is something that God notices and he cuts them off from the vine because in actuality, they were never connected to the vine in the first place. Now, the second type of scenario that Jesus wants to explain are branches that do bear fruit. And this is a little bit more obvious. The case that Jesus is referring to are disciples that are truly connected to him have the life of God flowing in them, and good results are coming out of their lives. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I do want to point out here, as we touch upon this vine imagery, that Jesus is using loaded language to talk about connection. Because to the Jewish listener in the first century, as they heard Jesus talking and explaining life in the vine, see, the vine imagery was used to talk about Israel. And the understanding back then was that if you were a true Jewish person, an Israelite, you were connected with God and you didn't have to worry about it. But see, what Jesus is saying is this, I am the true vine. And it's not your Jewishness that connects you with God. It is your connection with Jesus who is the Messiah, who is the true one from God, come to save us and redeem us. And our connection to him matters above and beyond race, class, and gender. Now later on, Paul will unpack this in the letter to the Galatians, and he writes it this way. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What this passage is talking about in Galatians and what Jesus is referring to in his vine passage is this. He is the true vine. It's not based upon race, class, or gender. Our connection to God is something that happens intimately and personally as we make a decision to follow after Jesus and walk after his ways. And that's what we're exploring in this series. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of our message today, One of the purposes of this series is to help us to drill down to our experience with God, to learn how to be more sensitive to it, to talk more about it, and to be more aware of what this connection is like. So here's a question. What has it been like for you to connect with God? And when have you felt the most connected to God? You know, when I think about that question and how I might answer it, I I think about 
some of the most significant times in the early years that I became a Christian. I became a Christian in high school, and some months after I came to faith in Jesus, someone who was in charge of the Christian group on campus at the high school asked me uh, during class one day, hey, Ted, would you like to come and share about your faith in Jesus uh, at the at the club meeting tonight? Now, I didn't know any better, so I just said yes. I just figured I was going to share about my experience, and so I went. And that evening, uh, in someone's home, surrounded by something like 50 high schoolers from our high school and a neighboring high school, uh, I was asked to share about my life with God. And I talked about my doubts and my struggles, uh, about my questions and how I reasoned through them, about events that happened to me, and ultimately how I learned about the gospel. And I put my faith in Jesus Christ. All of this was so important to me, as well as explaining that not everyone around me got it at that time. A lot of my friends were not Christians, and they had a hard time understanding what was going on within my soul. But after I shared my story, I talked to a bunch of different students afterwards. Some were really encouraging and said thanks to me for sharing. And a few of them had the exact same questions that I had been going through and were wrestling with and wondering if they could have faith in Jesus as well. So I did my best to explain it to them. And then I went home that night and I went to bed and I could not sleep. I was filled with such an immense sense of joy and satisfaction. And I felt like God was right there in the room with me. I was so filled with a sense of God's pleasure, like he was smiling down upon me. And I spent a long time in prayer. And it was just a glimpse of what I think God later had a call on my life to go into full-time ministry. When I think about connecting with God, that's one of the experiences that I think of. Uh, it's kind of a mountaintop experience for me. One of the first times I really deeply connected with God. Now, over the years of following Jesus, of being a Christian, all kinds of connections with God have taken place. Some of them much more mild-mannered and very ordinary. There have been days when I've just been driving down the road and it's like God just taps me on the shoulder just to remind me, Hey, Ted, I'm with you. And man, I just feel the sense that God is with me in the ordinary. There have been times uh, at church where I've been in prayer or worshiping or in scripture. And I feel like God is convicting me. God is moving in my heart to move me in a certain direction. All of these sensations and these experiences with God are really important in this series that we're learning to explore the depth of what it means to be connected in a real-life connection with Jesus. The second concept that we are going to cover today is pruning. For every branch that does bear fruit, the gardener does something. He prunes it. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this concept in gardening, let me take a quick moment to explain. See, one of the best practices that a gardener can do to help a branch reach its full potential is to cut off parts of it to help it to be more focused in its growth. See, without pruning, a branch can grow in many different directions. 
and even waste unnecessary energy and resources in directions that won't help in the long run. In pruning, a gardener might even cut off leaves or buds that show promise of growth. And it may seem like a loss in the moment. It is a loss in the moment. But we are trusting that the gardener knows what he's doing. Now the question is, what does this mean in the spiritual life? Jesus is teaching here that every branch will go through the process of pruning. Everyone who follows after God will experience some short-term losses in order for God to bring about long-term flourishing. And this is one of the harder things to understand about the spiritual life. Because how could a loving God allow losses to happen in our lives when we've committed to follow after him in faith and in love with hope? How could God allow these losses to take place? So we started planting Access back in 2007 when we gathered a launch team to start something new. And I have really fond and good memories of those days working together with many of you to build something and start something that was really important. Yes, the challenge level was really high, but so was the sense of camaraderie and the sense of friendship that we shared together. But you see, during those days, God was also working on a process of pruning in my life. It began with my dad's failing health. My dad had uh, inherited uh, some disorders in his life, and over the course of time, his health began to fail. And finally, in the spring of 2009, while he was home in California, he passed away. That was right after... Uh, several other losses in my life, including the death of my grandmother and the death of my baby nephew. So our family was already grieving and mourning. Uh, I had just been to a funeral. Uh, I had just done a funeral, and now my dad had passed away, and I was a mess. I didn't really know how to deal with it. I had taken an assessment years earlier on the emotional life, and I remember scoring really low in terms of how I deal with grief. I don't really, I didn't know how to deal with grief in my life. And so I turned to the thing that I knew how to do best. I knew how to work hard because working hard made me feel safe and secure and strong. And so I poured myself into more and more work because it helped me to numb the pain and the loss of my dad. I didn't really know how to talk about that at the time. I didn't really even realize all of that was going on. But over the years of continually neglecting my own soul, I really began to decline. I was not healthy. And I was going through depression. I didn't wasn't very vocal about that. I didn't really know how to talk about that. Uh, and then one day I had a conversation with Amy that really was an eye-opener. And she called me a ministry machine. Now, to some people, that might be a compliment in church world. But internally, between me and Amy, I knew that was the farthest thing from it. She was, in effect, saying that I was becoming everything I didn't want to be. That was not the life that God intended for me. Now, let me be clear. I do not view my dad's death as God's pruning in my life, 
Uh, and that's not the way to interpret it. That's not the way we interpret losses like that in life. Um, it was particularly hard on me because there were some unresolved issues with dad and I didn't get to say and experience everything that I wanted to with him, including my kids' lives. Um, that was really important to me. So there were a lot of dangling things and unresolved things with dad. But God was pruning my life in terms of an unhealthy relationship that I had with work. I had turned to work as my savior instead of God. And that began a long process of suffering under that load. Now, three things are really important to my healing during that time. I won't go into detail about them, but I'll just at least name them so you get to hear about them. One was several friends who had a counseling and psychology background uh, and that was immensely helpful for me. The second thing was my denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. I mean, our denomination. I took a class with the Covenant uh, called Vocational Excellence, and in the process had to go through assessments. And this surfaced, and I was able to meet with a counselor and a spiritual director and talk through some of these things and learn some better practices, including my summer sabbaticals which I still take uh, most years as a way to stay healthy and connected with God. Those are times in which I remember that I am a child of God, first and foremost. And finally, the third thing that was really helpful for me in finding healing was faith walking. That's a discipleship program that we have at Access very good and helping people like me uncover some of those deeper issues that disconnect us from God. But I share all this to help you realize that for every branch that bears fruit, there will be a time of pruning. For me, that time of pruning during those early years of access were extremely painful. But at the same time, I am a transformed leader because of it. And I know it was the hand of God that guided me through it all. There may be some of you who are listening today and you are going through pruning in your own life or maybe even a season of pruning in your life. And I want to encourage you with two words in particular. And the first is this. Know that God loves you. He is for you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. So he's not going to give up on you now. He's not going to let some hardship stand in the way. God loves you. One of the frequent ways that many of us interpret loss in our lives is to think that God has abandoned us or God no longer loves us or has somehow forgotten us. That could not be further from the truth. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And the second thing I want to encourage you uh, with for those of you who are going through some pruning in your life right now, is to open yourselves up to other voices who can speak into it. Because when we go through pain, it becomes very difficult to listen on our own. It's like when you stub your toe in the middle of the night, you can't focus on anything except your stubbed toe. Because pain has a way for of doing that to us. It's a protective mechanism. We're going to focus on our pain and we're going to protect ourselves. And it becomes very difficult to listen and to pay attention. 
And if you notice in my life, all three things that really began to help me were external voices. It were friends. It was the Evangelical Covenant Church. It was faith walking. I needed people in my life who could speak truth and love and grace to me and walk alongside of me. And here at Access, we are committed to that. There are some of you who may be going through that right now. And I just want to assure you that our staff team and our leadership is behind you and is with you and is ready to walk alongside of you. The third concept and final concept I want to bring up to today's message is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. This is what Jesus says. Every branch that is connected will bear fruit. If that's the case, it will be pruned. And when that happens, there will be more fruit. So stay connected to the vine and the possibilities will start to come true. Now, one of the interesting things about this passage is that Jesus doesn't actually go into much detail about what the fruit actually is. We actually have to expand our vision and look at different scripture to understand fruitfulness. But the point that Jesus is making here in John 15 is this, that fruitfulness doesn't come from our own lives and from our own energy and from manufacturing the willpower on our own. You don't have to be strong on your own. God is with you. And when you are connected, fruitfulness begins to take place and things will happen. That's the emphasis that Jesus wants to have. Now, regarding fruitfulness, what is fruitfulness and what is the fruit of God? What are the things that will result when we're connected? There are some things that we'll talk about later on in this message series. But for today, I want to point to one passage in particular in Paul's letter to the Galatians about fruitfulness. And it's important that we emphasize this passage in particular because church world has a bent today. It has an emphasis on how we do discipleship, and it is not always the most healthy thing. You see, in church world today, we are fascinated by numbers and by quantity. When a speaker is able to draw a large crowd, we're all impressed. When a church has large numbers, we're all impressed. And we assume quite quickly that God must be there. And that is a sign sometimes that God is working some amazing things. Certainly Jesus attracted a crowd and when he spoke, crowds came and he was able to uh, to do some amazing things in his time. And then the early church grew by thousands at a time in the first days. Big crowds are not necessarily bad, but I think there is an overemphasis in the way we develop Christians in church world. It is in a rush for results that we have left behind important conversations about the quality of our souls and our spiritual life. It's in a rush to get results that we prize charisma and charismatic leaders over a genuine depth of soul. So let's listen carefully to what Paul has to say. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Listen to that one more time. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As we wrap up our message today, I hope you find some encouragement in what was spoken today. And I want to end with a moment of silence where you can pray to God and ask. So I'll have a quick prayer posted on the screen before I go to our sending prayer. But be sure to come back. There's much more to to dive into regarding the connected life. And we'll see you next time. Church, let's pray this together today, our sending prayer. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen.